You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hey, welcome to The Hero of the Story podcast. I'm Aaron, your host uh, and brand manager for The Gospel Project, and along with me is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor and my co-host on the show. How you doing, Brian? I am doing great. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing okay. You know, I would love to pretend that this was a was another day, but it's actually the same day and we're recording then another Then why do you episode. keep asking me how I'm doing? You should know already. You know, um, because not everyone's going to be listening to these on the same day. There you go. There you go. There you go. So, guys, you're getting uh, a little glimpse into the world behind this magical radio show. Behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Um, This is, as uh, a friend of ours has said, good radio. Maybe. (laughs) We're going to pretend it's good radio. Anyway. So, so today we are... Um, we are jumping into a brand new topic uh, here on the podcast. We are looking at gospel threads in the Old Testament. And so just before we begin, just as a reminder, what we're trying to do every episode of this podcast is we are trying to help you teach and live in light of the gospel story. Um, because we believe that the gospel story, when we when we are saturated in it, when we are immersed in it fully, that it changes every aspect of our lives. And that's what we want to help encourage you with today. So, Brian, um, let's talk the Old Testament. Let's. Okay. Um, so the Old Testament, it's it's a big part of the Bible. So, and it is God's word. Um, so we should probably be reading it, shouldn't we? Yes, unless your name is Marcion. Mm, yes, 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 yes. And so for those who are not may not be familiar, he was um, he was an ancient heretic. Yes, he was, who yes. rejected pretty much all the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament, good parts of the New Testament as well. Absolutely. That he connected too closely to the Old Testament. Absolutely. He really only liked Paul's writing, yeah. which was funny because Paul was super into the Old Testament. Well, it just shows the failings of heresy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Um, so we know that the, the Old Testament is important to read, um, mm-hmm. we, um, but, how, but we don't always understand how to, ne- how to read it well. Which is why it can be such a challenging for us when we read through it. Correct. I mean, it's full of some, it's, it's full of some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that it's, that it's challenging and um, like, I mean, when you when you're when you're in the conquest of the promised land, that's that's not easy stuff. When you're reading anything in Genesis, it's especially with Abraham's family, it is not easy stuff to to wrap your head around. Um, but how do most of us most naturally read the Old Testament? Well, you know, I, I think because it's so challenging. Um, as you were saying, it's a distant, different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's. I mean, a lot of the names, places, we don't understand are hard. Um, the the culture, the traditions, and so forth, um, and what's going on there a lot is so challenging that I think this is an area where it's easy for people to to fall back into a moralistic approach mm-hmm. um, of of reading the the Old Testament as if it's one of Aesop's fables. Mm. And when we say that, mm-hmm. we may immediately kind of push back and say, well, wait a minute, Aesop's fables were made up stories. 
I don't believe the Bible was made up. And I'm not suggesting that when I when I use that phrase with right. our approach to the Old Testament. What I mean is what I just said, our approach to the Old Testament. The, the point of an Aesop's fable was to teach a moral lesson. You heard this story, and the takeaway, the win, was this moral principle. And that's what you were to leave with. We can do the same thing in the Old Testament. We can read it and honor the text itself, but had that goal, okay, what moral takeaway can I get from this? How can this make me help me be a better person or live in a way that makes God happy with me? Yeah. And that's the takeaway. Because, again, everything else is so challenging, it's hard for us to get our arms around it. So I, I think that is one of the ways that, that we can approach the Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I've actually got um, I've actually got an example of this. Um that actually is one of Aesop's fables here. It's almost um, as if we knew we were going to use that absolutely, phrase. Absolutely. Absolutely. We couldn't have planned this better. Um, and this is one that when you guys hear the moral of the story in this, um, you may be surprised because you've probably heard something similar. Possibly um, in a possibly in, in a book or a blog, maybe even a sermon or two. Um, so, so just listen to this story. A farmer was driving his wagon along a, a miry country road after a heavy rain. The horses could hardly drag the load through the deep mud and at last came to a standstill when one of the wheels sat, uh, sank in, uh, to the hub in a rut. The farmer climbed down from his seat and stood beside the wagon looking at it, but without making the least effort to get it, get it out of the rut. All he did was to curse his bad luck and call loudly, to Hercules to come to his aid. Then it then it said Hercules really did come, saying, "Put your shoulder the wheel, man, and urge urge on your horses. Do you think you can move the wagon simply by looking at it and whining about it? Hercules will not help you unless you make make some effort to help yourself." And when the farmer put his shoulder to the wheel and urged on the horses, the wagon moved very readily, and soon the farmer was riding along in great content and with a good lesson learned. And the moral of the story is that gods help those who help themselves. This is, this is one of the ways that we just so often take the, the Old Testament stories, especially when we're looking at the patriarchs or the, or the heroes of the Old Testament, that they were doing the, that they were pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, that they were, um, that they were putting the, the shoulder to the wheel and pushing their wagon out of the, out of the muck. By themselves, but when you think about it, think about think about David. For um, when he gets him, not just when he's in a situation where he's in the muck, when he puts himself in the muck, in um, with his with his adultery through, with Bathsheba, um, he doesn't um, he doesn't try to to well when he does try to make things things right by himself, it's through committing murder um so that's not a great deal but when he when he is confronted with his with his sin and his wrongdoing he doesn't he doesn't try he doesn't set about trying to make up for it instead he pleads to god for help and god is the one who responds yeah and i i think aaron you know that phrase god helps those who help themselves it's so prevalent that some people actually think that's in scripture i'm i'm sure you've seen they'll put um, sayings like that up and ask people where this comes from. And, and a lot of people think that is actually in scripture because it makes it, we're so used to approaching scripture with that mindset 
that it makes sense that that would be in Scripture. If we approach it from a gospel-centered mindset, though, we know, no, that is contrary to the gospel. That cannot be in Scripture. Absolutely. I mean, I usually like to say that it's in my favorite book, Second Hesitations. Yeah, or Second Opinions. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I've been been working through uh, the the Old Testament story, the Genesis story of Jacob. Yeah. And he's a great example of what you're just saying. Here's a guy who was such a schemer, um, always trying to, to make the best of his situations on himself, by tricking people, deceiving them, doing whatever, getting himself out of problems. Even when Laban tricked him, he tried to turn that around. He was so used to doing what he could do to get the blessings that God had promised him all along. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't content. He, he believed that God was promising him these blessings, but he thought he had to get them himself. And which is why he tried over and over again. And everything he did got him farther and farther into problems. It hurt him it hurt others. Mm-hmm. The pain that his uh, trying to manipulate the situations to his favor were just crushing to his family. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later when God really, it's the wrestling match that really opens this up, where God's saying, no, Jacob, stop fighting against me. Stop thinking everybody else is in your way of getting what you deserve. Stop trying to you know, get what I've promised you my, your way. Stop fighting. It's then that you see he starts to be changed. And, and it, it's a work in progress mm-hmm. after that. But you see a different Jacob after that event. So it, I think he's a, a little, he illustrates really well what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so you've already, you already um, alluded, to, alluded to the fact that, that when we're reading the Old Testament, we also do read it, um, read it as historical events yeah. typically we, but typically if we're not reading a moral into it um or even when we are we read it as a flat historical event that yeah. it just executes on itself that yes. the that there is no larger purpose that god had in mind for these events yeah um so what we're gonna do is, well, let me let me just pause there yeah, yeah, and yeah, say yeah. you know because i think that's probably how a lot of people do they they read it and just think all right it just it's in scripture I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from it, but I know it's there. Yeah. And so I just read it for the historical value of it. And, and again, we ought to recognize the historicity of, of these accounts. But think about it. I mean, if you hold, this is where digital Bibles are hurting us. If you pick up a, a printed Bible and you look at how many pages are the Old Testament versus the New Testament, it's probably, what, about two-thirds yes. uh, of the Bible is the Old Testament. Does it make sense to us that God would spend two-thirds of the Scriptures and what we'd have to say are meaningless, very little meaning, just just a, just a very long introduction mm-hmm. to the gospel. Does that make sense that God would know? Clearly, there's got to be more in God's intention of giving us that Old Testament account than what we may first see. Right. So here's what we're going to do for uh, for the remainder of our time here is um, we want to look at three different passages really really quickly mm-hmm. and we are not pro- we are not going exhaustive we are not going super in-depth this is surface broad brush strokes yes so um so you're welcome <laughs> um we are going to look at three at three key passages that because we want to we want you to just see just from from a really quick high level what does this what does this mean? And they're ones that honestly we're gonna come back to in this show. We're gonna we're gonna deal with in a more in-depth kind of yeah. way. 
Um, and, and that's something that's really exciting to me. So let's look first at um, David and Goliath in 1 Samuel. Um, so um, the, the way that we read this, so the way that we read this story um, where, um, where the Israelites are at, at war with the, the Philistines once again, the Philistines are in danger of, of oppressing God's people again because they have, uh, although they have a king, he is not the kind of king that God had, um, truly desired for them. It was the kind he of was thing a fulfillment that, of their his warning. Exactly, he he gave them exactly what exactly. they wanted, and, and he warned them, "You're going to regret this." Absolutely. And so he's and, his. He, of course, he's being proven true early on, right? And so Saul is the king of Israel. David's David's brothers are serving in the king's army. They are, and Israel's army is just deflated, defeated. They are beaten and terrified um, at the front lines. And Saul's right there with them, beaten and deflated and terrified because they've got this great big giant named Goliath who keeps coming out and taunting everybody and saying, hey guys, come on, come on, give give me a real challenge here. And um, that's that's the Aaron translation. It's very it's right from the Hebrew. So um, <laughs> um, and that's that's what we call almost heresy. <laughs> but um, but it's not. <laughs> but um, so David come. But David comes along, and he's he's there not to not to come and fight, but he's there to deliver food to his brothers. And he sees what's going on, and and so he steps up, and um, the king puts his armor on David, and and he's like, I can't do anything with this, um, so he takes it off. He has his slingshot. He has um, he picks some stones out of the out of the brook, and he he goes up and he and he cha- and he challenges Goliath. And he says that the God of Israel is going to defeat you. And he takes one stone, hits him right in the middle of forehead, um, knocks him down, cuts his head off. And then Israel rallies and routs the Philistines. Um, So that is the that's the broad brush of the story in um, in a in a in a synopsis in a super quick from memory synopsis. Um, read the real version instead. Um, it's much more eloquent and godly and wonderful. But um, what do we do when we read this story? Where do we typically find ourselves? It's with... It's with David. But of course. Well, because yeah. we want to be the hero, yeah. right? We naturally we naturally try to identify with, with the hero of every story. Um. And and because of that, we we wind up making our any of our application of a story about us. Yeah. What do we need to do? How um, so? In this case, what's the giant that we need to slay? Um, what do we? What obstacle do we need to overcome? How do we need to? Um, how do we need to lead the way to a better tomorrow? Yeah, that kind of thing. with with boldness and confidence. And, and we it yeah. even sounds right because we'll say you know because. David trusted in God. He was bold for God in front right. of that. He wasn't facing his fears. He was trusting. In, and so it sounds so good that mm-hmm. we need to stand with, with boldness and conviction um, and confidence in who God is. So it sounds great. Yeah. And that's probably part of the problem. 
Yeah. Uh, we miss how we're going off the, the track, so to speak, in terms of a gospel-centered approach when we, when we put ourselves in the hero of the story. Because if we're the hero of the story, by definition, there's another one who cannot be the hero of that story. Right. And of course, we're talking about Christ. Of course. Of course. So, um, so when, we're, when we're looking at this story, we need to actually look at it from, from that perspective that, um, that we don't see ourselves in David because there's, a, there's already a greater David. Mm-hmm. There's Christ who is... Um, who defeated a greater foe than than a than a than a giant who had a lot of swagger? Um, he defeated death. He mm-hmm. defeated sin. He took on the wrath of God and absorbed it for us. Yeah, that's a hero. Where we need to see ourselves in this story is pro- and is probably a better place to see ourselves is with the Israelites. Yeah. So that's where we see the beauty of the story. Absolutely. I mean, um, when I read when I read the story of David and Goliath, or if I teach this to my kids with with us as David, um, I would argue it's actually oppressive. Mm-hmm. It's a discouraging story because I can't be that brave. I mean, that, that's why you're so in amazement of David. That's I mean, that's why God orchestrated this. That, that David was not a warrior. That the armor didn't even fit. He didn't look the role. Goliath laughed at him. He was a he was a teenager probably. Mm-hmm. He was a shepherd, scrawny teenager, out there facing this Goliath. And that juxtaposition is why it's so powerful. But when I read that, if I were to read it as me being David, or if I were to coach my kids, hey, you're David. Be brave. We know. We know we can't do that. We're setting ourselves up for failure and discouragement. And I'm going to live life defeated. Yeah. But when I see myself as part of the forces of Israel, that I get to join in on a battle already won because it's been won for me, that I can get my arms around. That gives me joy and confidence and hope and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's about all the time we have for the beginning of this topic on Hero of the Story. Tune in next time when we continue our discussion of gospel threads in the Old Testament. Thanks for listening to the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project, a family of resources revealing how all scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.